Hi, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Sharings with Shama. And today I am really excited, and it may seem very, very strange that I'm so excited because we're going to talk about suicide. And I kind of love the idea that I'm excited to talk about suicide. And a reason why I am this, of course, is because I know that the more we share, the more we talk about it, the more we can help each other. And I want you to say welcome to Khadija Nicole. Hi. 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 I'm so happy to have you as a guest uh, on my podcast. So welcome to you. Happy to be here. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. We've been contemplating this for a while, so I'm glad that it finally came to fruition. Yes, yes. We have been actually in contact. I was checking up on Instagram. We met on Instagram. You connected with me, which I'm super grateful for. And it's uh, a little more than a year, actually. Wow. I yes. can't believe that much time passed. Yes, yes, yes. And and you reached out to me and you told me your story. And I remember I wrote you an answer to this also. I said, uh, I took like a, a quote from my book, A Course in Miracles. And I said, if you would be heard by those who suffer, you must speak their language. If you right. would be a savior, you must understand what needs to be escaped. That really resonated with me. Yes, with me too. Totally, totally, totally. And I feel that um, to have a little introduction about you, you are a 41-year-old stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. And you live in St. Louis, Missouri, together with your husband, who's from Morocco. Correct. And your two children, age four and six. Yes, boy and, and girl. Yeah, a boy and a girl. And who is the youngest? My daughter is the is the oldest and my son is the youngest. Yes, yeah. And I also like I wanna really put an emphasis to this that you say you're a stay at home mom because I think at least in Sweden, um, mm-hmm. that is considered to not be something great you know everyone has to work everyone has to do this and everyone has Mm. to you know perform and be something and I when you said I would like to be introduced as this I just felt like oh this is really really nice it makes me I knew when I was like you know seven or eight years old that that was my dream in life I did work in corporate America in the United States for two corporations and left in 2010 to help take care of my aging father. So Mm. I did do that. I was in corporate America and I knew that there was something better for me. So once my husband came to America after we married, there's a time period of waiting. And, you know, he said, you know, we need to go help your dad because he can't do it on his own anymore. So I left corporate America in 2010 Mm. and then took that endeavor and that mountain that I had to climb of taking care of my aging father who had dementia. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to go back and 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 to just uh, you you shared a lot with me and we're not going into depth of all of that. But why you are here is because you uh, you made a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. In Correct. 2014. Correct. In August 2014. And that is what we are going to kind of focus around. And mm-hmm. uh, leading up to this, uh, you know, I'm writing a lot. I'm uh, researching a lot. I'm looking into why do some people try to commit suicide and some never do it? What are like the the common, uh, you know, factors behind and denominators. So exact, exact. And I asked you about your childhood, mm-hmm. and um, could you tell us something about your childhood that you want to share? It was traumatic. I grew up with alcoholism. I grew up drinking at a very young age. 
my parents had traveled to France and the kids were drinking wine and water, so that was okay in my household. There was also verbal abuse. Mm. And there was another home, another family that took me in frequently, and their home was as a paradise in comparison to my family's homes. And um, I'm raising my children as they raised us because they had four children. And um, I'm just so grateful to have had the other side of something so you had like, was like not an extra, dramatic. An extra family because your family was very... Uh, dysfunctional, can I say like that? Totally. Totally. And this also, because I am so certain that, uh, you know, that if we are raised properly, if we are loved and cared for, we don't end up at the point of depression and suicide. This is like, we, right. can, we can, of course, uh, if a big crisis come, but I think that all of us that end up at this point we have uh, a childhood that was very traumatic. Mm -hmm. And I also well, know, yeah, yeah, please. Being a child of divorce and having the home broke up and constantly living out of a suitcase and going back and forth every other weekend or the summers and things like that, you're kind of being pulled in two directions. Mm -hmm. And it is not, it doesn't feel safe and secure all the time with that. Mm -hmm the way that divorce happens in this country. I think it's the same in every country, actually. This is also something that we don't think, uh, we don't consider it to be like a big trauma for a child, a divorce, but it actually is. Mm -hmm. Of course it is, because it's a separation, it's a split up, you often lose one parent and you need to move and, you know, it's a big loss for a child and it's a big trauma. And I think it's very important to to not minimize also the impact. <clears throat> I mean, we don't have to raise our voice much to scare a child. Mm -hmm. We realize that most likely most of us are traumatized to some degree and some of us more. You also told me about that you uh, you told about acid. What does that mean? using a lot of acid as a teenager. How was your teens? Because that's also, I find, a very critical period. You know, how were well, your teens? I ran away from home as a young child because of the fighting from my mother's house. And then um, I would run away to this home that I called a paradise. Mm -hmm. And um, she always knew probably where I was going. But um, anyway... I turned to, I rebelled and I used drugs. I smoked marijuana. I did mushrooms. How and old I don't were you at the, uh, this time? 15, 16. Uh-huh, okay. I started smoking marijuana probably at 13, 14. Mm -hmm. But obviously the alcohol started when I was six or seven. Wow. So to be raised around... You know, and it was okay. Like, all the kids were smoking pot. All the kids I grew up with were doing, taking hits of acid. The Grateful Dead was still around. We were at the farm. We were, you know, trying to go to their concerts. It was a um, different, you know, drugs were okay, kind of. And how did this affect you? Can can you can you say, say that? Because I have a very... You know, I drank alcohol the first time when I was 14 and mm -hmm. I can see that there was some kind of liberation because I got out from my, you know, antisocial shell. Mm. But I can also see that it took me to places, to people, to situations that was not good for me. And I ended up in, you know, on a really bad track. So when I was 17, I was kicked out from home. And mm. I can really see that that these years that without having the care, you know, of mm -hmm. proper parenting, how mm -hmm. that made my whole life so unstable. And I, I, you know, I soak security in totally the wrong places. Well, I was a natural mother, so I was very mothering to all my friends. 
Mm-hmm. So I would was the one who would take care of everyone most of the time and clean the houses where we had the parties and the parents were out of town. Oh, you would fix my mess. <laughs> <laughs> the parents would have never known there was a party. I would have made it look oh. better than what the mom usually did. Oh. So they wouldn't even have known. We would make sure the trash was gone from the beer cans. Wow. Okay. We were sneaky. You were sneaky, okay. And I, you also said that you you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder at 19. What right. led up to this diagnose? Well, my mom called my pediatrician and then, or not my, you know, my doctor at that time that had been my doctor since since I was young. And she convinced my mother that the only way to help me was to get me to go to a big hospital. Mm -hmm. And if I had just been cared for and stayed home and slept, I would have slept it off and been okay. Mm -hmm. Because I think that using acid when your brain is still developing. What is acid? For those of us who haven't taken any drugs, what is acid? It's a hallucinogen. Like LSD or something? Yes, it is uh-huh. LSD. It is LSD. Yeah. Okay, great. That I know yeah. what it is. <laughs> I Same never thing. tried it, but okay, I got it. Psychedelics. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. Well, now psychiatrists <coughs> and psychologists say that they use it to help people with depression. I know. Also, like plants, you know, like ayahuasca and uh, mushrooms. Ayahuasca. And, well, mm-hmm. the brain produces what ayahuasca makes it produce. Mm -hmm. You just have to know how to tap into it. DMT, it's DMT. Okay, we shouldn't, I know that I have a guru, Gabor Matea, he is actually having retreats when you Mm -hmm. can go and do this in a very controlled environment, you know. Safe space. Exactly, so this is nothing. I just want to say that this is not a scientific podcast and we do not recommend anyone to take any drugs. No. We're just discussing now what led up to our, what shall I say, difficulties, or just say that our ways to escape uh, mm-hmm. our pain as teenagers mm-hmm. took us to doing drugs and alcohol, which made things worse, at least you know, for me, and obviously for you too, as you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And the question is, did you have that? Do you think you had it? I would say I have the symptoms of it. If I'm in an environment that is safe and secure and I take the one medicine I take that produces serotonin, Mm -hmm. I'm good. But if I'm in an environment where people are being dramatic and, you know, not being nice to me Mm. and forcing me to do something that I feel is not okay, Mm -hmm. then I can, it can have, it can... I can go into having an episode. So doctors what is say, an ep- what is an episode? Like where I feel insecure, I want to escape from my current reality because my family may be asking me to do things or force me to do something I'm not comfortable with. And so I have that fight or flight, mm. you know, that's talked about a lot in um, psychology. So it's like a reactivating of trauma. Right. right? And I, it's, it's uh, you know, the mind plays tricks on you when mm, you're mm. going through traumatic mm. situations. Like, mm. I believe I had postpartum depression mm. after having my son. Mm. And that's what triggered the feeling of me wanting to commit suicide or take my life. Mm. I think that this is so, so important. Uh, I shared a, a couple of episodes back that I, um, I, you know, became depressed and I shared from inside the depression and now I begin to go to therapy and it actually turned out that the reason for this reactivating is actually 26 years ago in my past, mm. that it's still like a residue of a traumatic event that happened in my past 
that this crisis is reminding my body and my system of. So we are working on that to handle. Yeah, you what's have happening. to make every. You have to make every day like a healing process. Mm-hmm. Like, do what makes you feel good. Use essential oils. Have a Himalayan salt lamp. Ground. If necessary, you know, like go, go outside and walk with your no shoes on in the grass. It really mm-hmm. helps me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think s- that we, we're going to go, we're going to come back to that, like the healing aspect, what sure. we can do. But I think that both you and I know how extremely important it is to live well now. That yes. it's not like life is not something that we casually kind of, you know, eat, drink, do whatever we don't, we pay attention to every day. Every day matters, really. Mm -hmm. So I want to, but uh, you also said that you suffered, of course, a lot from depression during the years. And so after you were 19 until you were like 36, it's quite a lot of years, but you also had like uh, depression coming and going. Well, it doesn't stick around for months at a time or anything like that. It's just short-lived. So um, as long as I was working and happy and living around people who love and care for me, I'm okay. Mm. Now I go to quarterly therapy with a psychiatrist, and um, I we keep a check on things, and I don't get levels tested or anything like that. I just take the medicine that makes your body produce serotonin. Mm, so, mm, mm. And you also feel like the medicine is crucial, that it's an important factor in your well-being. See, I've had bad reactions from medicine when I was younger, uh-huh. so I always didn't continue with them. But I think now this is just the lowest dose of the medication, and I think mm. that it does help. Mm, mm. And I think that is also uh, because I know both you and I, we have a past, we have a suicide attempt, I have several. And to understand that that what medicine can do for you when you are at that lowest of lows and to also understand that for me, the life joy I kind of receive when my body is chemically imbalanced it's mm-hmm. like the difference between night and day. Oh, yeah. Like I've heard you say when you, depression doesn't let you exercise and things like that. It holds and me as a hostage, you know. Yeah, that really resonated with me. And so I've made sure that I stay active and I don't even have to leave our property to walk. I have a trail here and I have things in the house that I can do my weightlifting. So mm-hmm. I don't need to go anywhere, especially with this pandemic it's yeah. not allowed, so. And this also, this pandemic is, uh, I just listened to on the on the Swedish news, uh, one of our experts in psych- psychiatry, uh, um, Anders Hansen, his name is, he said that we are going to see uh, an elevation race of depression, most likely mm-hmm. suicides too, because of the pandemic, uh, because mm-hmm. so many people losing their jobs, you know, People had crisis before the pandemic and and the uncertainty. And and he also said something, it's normal to react. It's normal to react. But I really want to say it's normal to react. But also, if you can't handle it, you've got to seek help because you, you can receive help. It's not like I'm not saying like sit this pandemic out because when life changes in December, then you're going to be okay. Because it's important to seek help now if you don't feel okay now. Well, there's the 800 numbers and things like that people can call. Yes, exactly, exactly. So what happened to you if we're going to go like what you shared with me? Because I have been very open with my suicide attempts. When Mm -hmm. I say I'm excited to talk about it, it's because I am excited to talk about it because we must talk about it and we must talk about it in a what I feel not depressing way we mm-hmm. must really see that this is something that could happen to anyone and we together 
you and I and other people, we can do a lot to prevent this from happening by sharing our stories. And if it's so right. important that you are here now. So, so mm-hmm. what happened August 2014, six years ago? Well, I was having problems breastfeeding and my son was breastfeeding, like even at the kitchen table eating dinner. And I felt like a failure. I was having to supplement again, which I had to go through with my daughter. And I felt like a failure as a mother from the breastfeeding. And I think I had postpartum and it crept up on me. And I left my son in the bassinet after I fed him the the supplemental because the breastfeeding just was failing for the second time. And I got in the car and drove to where there's a bridge and left the car on the uh, side of the road and climbed the fence. I left my shoes on the ground and jumped and I passed out when I was jumping. Do you remember anything falling down? I passed out when I jumped over the fence. And then when I came to, I was at the bottom of the river and I saw white light surrounding me like the biggest fireworks you could ever see in your life. And I remember having a conversation with God and he told me that my time here is not up, that I have a lot of work to do and I'm going to survive this. I feel like... uh, And then I remember floating on the top of the water. Were you harmed in any way? I currently, I have like a pain in my lower lumbar that never goes away. So I, I don't medicate for it. I just practice yoga and meditation to help and exercise. And I have a couple areas on my legs where there's like a cyst that that? are there, like a a mass on the inside of one leg. Yeah. So that's my injury from that. And I floated down the river till later the next, that next afternoon, because I left, you know, in the middle of the night. And so it was in August. So my son, my face was all sunburned. And so you just fisher- kept flo- floating down the river. Yeah, I didn't know what else to do. And two fishermen found me and then the ambulance came. They called the ambulance. Okay. I get like, I get goosebumps and I also get like, I want to cry and I... And yeah. I, feel, I feel like this, you know, the way God communicates to us in a very clear way, saying that your time is not up mm-hmm. and you kind of have a mission. You have things to do here. It was clear. It was very clear. I did not see God's face. It was just like a white light with that was a man, but not. I didn't see his face. Mm. And and now as a, I I just want to also uh, at times I need to say that we do not recommend anyone to try to commit suicide to come out on a better place. We're just having this moment to be grateful that you are here that you mm-hmm. are alive, that you can share your story with others and also be a light to others because your life changed after this experience. I've had people in need who were thinking of committing suicide come to me at one time or another in life. And there's about, you know, one handful or two of people. Mm-hmm. So this is a way for me to heal and me to help heal others Mm. from this, from attempting to take their life. I've stayed up 
late nights with a couple people that come to mind, women. And they were really on the edge, but I did talk them out of it. Mm-hmm. I think that this is also, that there is a reason, of course, why we are still here. I also had this strong feeling when I woke up in the intensive care that it's not meant, mm. you know, I'm not supposed to die. That's not what's meant to be. And that no. was like the strongest message I woke up to that mm-hmm. I'm supposed to live. And I know that even, you know, through depression and when you come to that point, because I can relate, I can totally understand, you know, and this is also for all for all of you who when 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 I hear you say you left your like one year old and your two month old baby. And you took the car and you drove away and you just wanted to end your life. And that is not because you didn't love your children and your husband. No, I felt like a failure as a mother. And it was a freeing release when I did what I did. And, you know, I just want to say that that's how it felt. But that was not the right thing to do. And this is also, but the thing is also, when you said, I felt like a failure as a mother and that was the the only thing I could do, you know, that was the release I could have. That is also to show how we become hostages for the negative thoughts. They are not the truth about us. There is nothing in these thoughts that are the truth. Which is so, I think it's so important to say that when you are this depressed, when you are at the point that you, the only solution is to take your life, whatever you are thinking at that point is never the truth. Mm -hmm. Because you obviously were loved by your husband, you had two beautiful children, you were not a failure as a mother because they were alive, Mm -hmm. you know, so, but... The, the mind, how our, you know, thoughts totally can twist us and turn us that there is no other solution. Right. So I really want to say that for anyone who stands like, you know, I don't want to live again, you have to understand that this is not the reality. This Mm-mm. is not the truth about you. It's just like, you know, it's a metaphor where you say like, you're having a bad chapter in your your book of life, it doesn't mean that you're going to have, a, all chapters are going to be bad. No, exactly. It's just one, and you close that chapter and it's over. Mm. Mm. But you have to reach out to your support group, whoever that is. And I should have done that when I was going through this, but I felt ashamed to even say how I was feeling. So that was my mistake. And I think that this is, this is you know, what we call mistakes. There is so much guilt. There is so much shame. There is so much. I must say I had a big, big problem to live after my suicide attempt because people rejected me. People took distance. You know, people yes. got angry, upset, thought I was a really bad person, a bad mom. And people got scared and there was so much, you know, I really had to fight for for my right to live. After oh, this. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And people keeping a distance and not wanting to come around you because they're afraid. And that's their thing, you know, but that's the worst thing I can say for someone who has attempted to take their life is for family to desert them. Yes, friends. because a really difficult situation became worse, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. I had yeah. one miracle happen, and that was my sister, who I was not close with before, who mm. has become like my best friend. Uh, she supported me wholeheartedly after this. She stood by my side from, you know, the first moment. and That's amazing. That's it such is, a blessing. It is, it is amazing. And she's like, you know, she's my biggest supporter ever since then. And Great. I can say that that's the miracle. That's the miracle for me because we were born, when I was born, she hated me. 
So mm. she was a big reason for my traumatic childhood. And now she's the biggest blessing in my life. So I can say that for some, somehow God turned it right, you know. Right. <laughs> it's really like this, this uh, that I thought was the truth, that she hated me, has actually been turned right now. Because I think that at the end of each story, there is love and there is connection and there is unity and, you know, and the light everything. came yes. through on it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the light came onto us mm-hmm. and we made peace. You know, we connected the way we should have connected when we were born. We connected five years ago and that bond mm. is so strong. Wonderful. Yes. And I wonder also, um, now this is six years ago. Have you, since then, have you ever come to a point where you have been contemplating about suicide again? No, not like that. No. Okay. And that is like, was this the first time? Yes. I had never been suicidal before that time. Oh, so it came very, you didn't, did you think of it a long time or was it quite, you know, sudden or? It was like five to seven days, oh. just on my mind constantly. Was there something you could have done if you knew now, if you would have been the the, the Khadija you are now, mm-hmm. six years ago, is there something you could have done these five, seven days that would have prevented it from happening? I should have reached out to my best friend in Israel, whose family is the one I say their home was my paradise. Mm -hmm. But I was just ashamed. And uh, every life, how troubled it is, is worth living. And like I said, just because you're having a bad chapter does not mean your whole book of life will be troubled. So today I choose to choose life and let go of any depression or sadness that may creep up from time to time. And I surround myself with positive people Mm. and I follow my dreams just as I suggest to people who are suffering that they need to follow theirs. And I tap into old hobbies and I've learned to do new things. I, with my children, you know, I teach them new things. I learn new things. I have hobbies and I just keep up with it. I make crystal bracelets Um, and that's helped me to heal with losing a loved one. And I just continue with that. Mm -hmm. It seems like we have kind of the same routines. Like I'm practicing more or less one good thing at the time Mm -hmm. instead of of doing one negative thing at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm practicing like, okay, to, uh, yeah, go out running. That's a good thing. And to, mm-hmm. to eat healthy breakfast, that's a good thing. FaceTime oh, that is my everything. Sister, you know, that's a good thing. So I kind of make my days consist of good things because mm-hmm. that creates a good day. And exactly. before, but I can also see that when depression, when I enter a crisis and depression comes, I thought I was kind of immune to depression. Uh, I don't think anyone is. No, and I can also see, and it says also, if you have been depressed once, there's like a 40% risk or even more that you're going to end up depressed again. So to know this, it's really like you're allergic and you know that you're more sensitive the next spring season. Well, I would consider myself an empathetic person, and I feel like you probably would say you are too. Are you a cancer? I'm not into astrology, but <laughs> are you? That's what my birthday says I am, yeah. I know, because I am too. <laughs> oh, you know, I have... All I'm born the, the 30th of June, so I was thinking maybe we are the same size for all of those who believe in astrology, which I don't yeah. really do. But I can see that I have some of the you know, personality traits that right. they say a cancer has. Well, my like, daughter's born on my best friend's birthday, and I grew up with all cancers surrounding me. Oh, so. same for me. My sister, no, not my sister, but my mom and all my cousins, and, you know, everyone is a cancer. Wow, <laughs> it's, it's something, isn't it? But I don't have any kids who are. 
Mm. I have three kids who are, I think, Libras, like October, okay. and then I have one who is a Leo. Well, my son was born on the 4th of July, so he is a Cancer. Ah, I see. Okay. And my daughter is the 14th of July, so she is too. <laughs> okay, so interesting, interesting. That is interesting for those of you who are into astrology. Right. But um, that's a little side side note here. So uh, what else? I was talking, no, I was thinking because I really have, I, I also feel like when it comes to suicide, all the shame, all the guilt, I just want to really, really put emphasis on that. No one tries to commit suicide if they're not depressed and desperate, you know. It's not like a fun thing to do. It's not like you test your environment. It's not like you're pushing people's triggers. It's not like you're, a, you know, you want to punish people or there is like... right. There's so many, what do you say, judgments around suicide that makes mm-hmm. it really, if, if you get cancer, there's, even though people know that what you eat, how you mm-hmm. stress, you know, how you live your life, it affects you. But if you get cancer, no one ever comes to that person and say, it's because you're fat, it's because you're just eating pizza, or it's because you don't exercise, because you have your phone, da-da-da. You know, when someone gets cancer, it's all like, wow, we will support you totally. Right. There's never any judgment or blame. And there's never any, like, you know, but with suicide, and I really... I really want to raise suicide like a like a normal disease, like mm-hmm. like cancer or a heart stroke or you know. Well, if this, you look at at the rates of people that die from it, it is that high. Yeah, but it is. It's like the second highest cause of death for young people between like fifteen and thirty. See. First, yep. they get killed in traffic, you know, car accidents, bike accidents, skateboard, whatever, skiing. And second, they, if, if life doesn't kill them, they kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And that we should kind of begin to talk about it a little. Or, break the know, stigma. Break the stigma. I get so annoyed. I get really upset when I say break the stigma. I really feel like we must do something. We must have proper clinics, you know, we must have proper information. We need to know what are the signs of depression, how to prevent us from going there. I mean, how do you live well? What is is that even? It starts with what you take in, which can be eating, which can be television, which can Mm. be the news. Mm. And you have to limit yourself to things that are going to make you sad or feel low and only eat what makes you feel good. If you're eating a diet that's processed foods and, you know, heavy with meat and dairy, you're not going to feel as good if you ate fresh fruit and vegetables. At least that's my experience. Mm. Mine too. So I try to eat raw and alkaline as much as possible. Mm. Drugs and alcohol, for instance, that's like, and I can also see that to, to just, to just like really make this clear that a traumatic childhood, uh, Gabor Mate says, if you treat children well, they turn out okay. If you mm-hmm. don't treat children well, they don't turn out okay. So if we weren't treated well as children, even if we seem to be okay, most likely we're not. Everyone, I think, has some dramatic thing that happened to them. Of course. Of course. And I think also it's really, really important to understand that what is traumatic for an adult is totally different than what is traumatic, you know, traumatizing for a child. I remember my father, his anger, you know, when he yelled at me, when I hurt myself, for example, because I was very active and I often had injuries, he got Mm -hmm. so upset and he yelled at me. And I remember that that part scared me much more than almost losing a thumb you know, that my father was angry. His mm-hmm. his anger was like my biggest, biggest fear. Right. And building up that fear in you was not good. 
No, of course not. And I can also see that in my adult life, I had really big problem with people raising their voice, you know, shouting, screaming. And you want to cover wanna, your ears or something? I want to run away. I had like an instinct, I want to run away. Uh, mm. Always. And I can mm. see that, as you said before, divorce. Uh, mm-hmm. How many of us are divorced? It would be so interesting to see, okay, behind a suicide, how many divorces can we find? How many alcoholic, you know, uh, parents can we find? How much abuse can we find? Uh, how much drug use, etc., alcohol can we find behind every suicide? And I'm sure that if we would intervene, if we would, you know, uh, join together and make an effort way, way before suicide and depression, we could change so much. Right. And that's what your pod, your sharings with Shama highlight. And I think it's so important for anyone who has suicide in their life, whether it be a loved one or an attempt or, you know, something within themselves that they listen to your podcast because it can shed the light on darkness. Yeah, that's really like my 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 hope, my wish. And I'm thinking more and more uh, about social media and Instagram. And, and uh, you know, my podcast, I don't have a manuscript. I just kind of wing it and, as we do today. And I'm thinking that the more we share and not like having famous people, suicide is very, very interesting if the person who dies is Avicii or Whitney Houston, you know, or Robin Williams, then suicide is extremely interesting to talk about. But if it's you and me, we rather not talk about it. Yeah, and, and that's unhealthy. It's so unhealthy. And it's so unhealthy to make this kind of, you know, like newsworthy if it is so I think it's mm-hmm. much more healthy to give voices to people like you to really have you share your experience and really see what can be done to help other people. And I think you you wrote to me, like I asked you your recommendations and um, you said like how important, I asked you how important are your routines and rituals for having a good life and one thing you said was sharing, sharing with other people that mm-hmm. really helped uh, you in your recovery. And I think that that's what we do here. We share. And I, I share with, you know, as many as I can without compromising my own well-being, I try to share on Instagram. If people connect with me, especially if they are depressed or suicidal, I always take the time. I hope Sometimes someone slips between the notes, unfortunately. But I really want to to raise my, you know, send a voice message because I know it makes a difference to just share. Well, if you can help one or two people here or there, mm. then they can maybe help one or two people here and there because they see the signs and notice then. Yes. And then you've saved so many people. And we can have a ripple effect of people helping right. people helping people. It's like a wave. Yeah. So sharing and sharing with others without feeling shame or guilt mm-hmm. or blaming yes. someone to really share openly from your heart. This happened to me or my sister committed suicide or I tried to do it and this happened, you know, and to just see that, okay, uh, we just need to to share with each other. And then also you said therapy, that you go to quarterly therapy. And I do that too, because I realized through this corona crisis, an old crisis is triggered in me. So I need to take another round of sessions to really go to the depths of that wound, because I don't want to be depressed again and again and again, you know. Right. Um, I would say for people who deal with depression or have suicidal tendencies they have scars on the inside yeah they can pop up here and there and you need to stay in some type of therapy or support group to really keep yourself in a healthy state of mind Mm. I think so and it's really good that you say support group because I find like AA or you know uh, Koanon or uh, you know 
some 12-step program or something. There are really good groups where you can have community, where you can share, because many, many people have some kind of, if we're not addicted to something, we are, uh, what do you say, co codependent Dependent often. on your yes. family member. You become codependent on maybe your family members yes. and that is a yes. drain. And then that's yes. not healthy. And I do help run a, cause I am Muslim and I help run a Muslim group for women suffering with anxiety and depression. Mm. And that has helped me with, um, because it's an outlet to help others. So exactly. I do posts and the, on that page and I help people through there and give advice. And, um, you know, along with being part of the yoga girl community, that all has been very helpful and healing for me. Mm. And I think that is really, really good also advice that to help others also puts the perspective, you know, the light on other people instead of uh, at yourself all the time. You kind of get out of your own thoughts when you do yes. things for other people. Exactly. And you also said you're on medication. And for some time in our life, we may need that. And that is not like a, do you say defeat? It's like, uh, it's not a bad thing. Like you, you know, it's not like a battle you lost if you need to take medicine. It's like one of maybe 10, because if you medicate, you get back the energy to maybe you know exercise to cook meals to go for walks maybe seek a job uh, mm -hmm. you know to change your life for the better and that energy you may not have if you don't take medicine right so, i understand that i feel you and also you wrote prayer and that you pray a lot I'm a devout Muslim. I pray five times a day and I um, became Muslim 14 years ago mm -hmm. and I was an Orthodox Jew before that. So God has always been important and a pivotal part of my life. Um, for many, many years, I've been very religious and I would say I have an ongoing conversation with God all the time. And I feel very close to God and I feel that he guides me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as a Muslim, we spend a lot of time in prayer and going to the mosque mm -hmm. during the different holidays or um, every Friday is our holy day. So I really enjoy that part of my faith. Mm -hmm. And for, for those of us, and now I include myself also because I'm like a very... Uh, I struggle with my faith. I've also shared about that. And then God is so cool. So he says that it doesn't matter how much you believe or how you kind of perfect your your faith because I'm going to be here anyway. And mm -hmm. I just feel like, okay, that's my God. He That's the way he talks to me. So mm -hmm. I understand <laughs> because I'm so like, Ah, why do I feel like such a fake, you know, when I sometimes, you know, want to believe and I feel like I'm just a failure. And then he can just say to me, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm here anyway. And so it's, it's important to have faith in something bigger than you. Yeah. I feel that this is really, really important because I think that we lose it the most when we think that we are alone and there is no one there for us. I um, agree. And I can say when I doubt, I can just look at nature and animals. Yes. And I can just say, okay, we did not create that. No. <laughs> it's like the mountains okay. you can the, see the mountains you yeah have. you know everything like okay we created that house but we did not create you know the grass in front of it we did right. not do it and i can just see that okay there is something bigger than us i just need to look at you know nature and animals and and just our experience of being born then i just mm -hmm. feel like okay uh i get calm again and I kind of regain my sanity but for mm -hmm. those of you who don't have faith in something bigger I would suggest it's a really good idea to start looking at nature and say okay did man create this tree 
you know, if so, how? <laughs> and I can just say, yeah, we did not. <laughs> it's just like, and okay. And then you also, you do yoga and meditation. Yes. Is that like a daily practice or is it like, yeah. Yes. Your daughter, Rachel, yoga girl has been very helpful in um, her sharings on Instagram, her IG stories and everything. So she's, I've been practicing yoga since I was eight or nine years old, but wow. was idle with my practice for a while. But Rachel really helped me get back into my daily practice. Hmm. Hmm. And I can also say that, that yoga and meditation is, I work like with a mix of things. Uh, mm-hmm. I, when I'm depressed, when I'm low, if I do yoga and meditate, I become lower. I need to move my body then. I need to, you know, pump, get my heart pump, pumping. There's a balance. I would yeah, say there's a delicate exactly. balance. Exactly. So sometimes we walk. need to, yeah, sometimes we need to walk. Sometimes we have to run. Sometimes we need to just calm down and meditate and do yoga. Sometimes we need to sleep. Sometimes we need to eat right. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we need to go to therapy and, you know, sometimes there's we need a to whole, watch Netflix. There's a whole bucket of tools that everyone exactly. has available to yes, them. Yes, yes, You just have to get out of your headspace sometimes and, and grab whatever's in your bucket and do it. Don't mm. think about it. Just do it. Mm. And I think the more... The more routines, the more good routines we have in our normal daily life, the better we manage if we enter a crisis, if we become depressed. We keep our routines. I yes. can say that I run crying. As a couple of weeks back, I went out with my dogs and I said to myself, this is a good thing. And I ran and I was crying and I was crying. And I ran and I thought, this is a good thing. You keep running. And I was mm-hmm. crying. But I kept <laughs> doing my things, you know. Yeah. And I kept meeting friends, having coffee, crying. And Wow. Yeah. And I'm so blessed that they can bear with me, that mm-hmm. they know that, okay, sh- that, yeah, that they really have the the time and the energy uh, to, to be with me in that space because yeah. I know not many people can be that. Well, my husband knows if I'm not making coffee in the morning and having my key lime water, mm. that something is off. So, you know, he talks to me and makes sure I'm okay. And mm. I, you know, have to burn Palo Santo and it makes mm. me feel better just doing something mm. simple as Mm. Burning Palo Santo. <laughs> mm. No, but, but sometimes I, it's important, just these little things. I, yes. I, I do. I, I light the candle at my breakfast, you know. Mm. I have realized one sign of depression in me. And it's interesting. It's not until you are it. I'm so grateful for this time when I've been depressed because it's not until I am that I learn about it. So I realized that if I go to bed at night without longing to wake up and drink coffee and have breakfast. Something is wrong. Right. And I always set intentions for the next day when I'm falling asleep. I make a to-do list in my mind Mm -hmm. and then it comes naturally and I just do those things without thinking about them. But it's a practice that I've come to do in the last, like, I don't know, couple years Mm. and it just becomes such a natural thing Mm. but you have to set the intentions when you're going to bed Mm. and I think it's like we work we work in different ways but we are both like you know we both had like some kind of wake up after this knowing that we do have a purpose in life and we are not meant to be dead Right, and, and totally. that is that is totally, and we uh, because we have to wrap this up a bit now, and mm-hmm. I just want to say that we do not recommend anyone to commit suicide to ever try it, and if you even get close, uh, you can always send me a message 
you know, you find me on Instagram. And I also wonder if people would like to reach out to you, would you be open for that? I would be there wholeheartedly, 100%. So, so are you are you okay that I share perhaps your Instagram contact or what is the proper Absolutely. way? Absolutely, yes. Okay, okay. So share then I will... My- Share, yeah. share, share. <laughs> yeah, so I will do that in the post when I uh, announce this episode. And uh, now let's see. Can you also, because I had a not big problem to to say your name, but uh, to spell it. Do you want to say your oh, Instagram handle so people can find you? It's Khadija, K-H-A-D-E-E-J-A. Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, and um, my picture says live life. That's live my, life. That's your handle, like Instagram handle? No, that's my no. picture I wrote uh-huh. on oh, something. It says yeah. live life. That's like okay. my motto, my motto for positivity. <laughs> that's so great. That's so great. Do I have a motto for positivity? I don't have it. I must it's get like, one my mantra that I created years ago and I have it as my Facebook and my Instagram photo. Since mm. I'm Muslim, we don't share our picture. Mm. So ah, okay. this that. is also so interesting, you know, because I'm not religious. I'm not raised religiously. You know, I have was not raised with a faith, anything and everything religious. I find so interesting. I really. Well, I'm an open book about that too. So yeah, I was Jewish yeah, yeah. and became we must Muslim. Continue share. Was raised and with Christians, so I know Christianity. And there's so Islam. much judgment and stigma around religion too. So it's really like exactly. I I think the best religion to practice is live and let live. Mm-hmm. To really, really live and let live and stop judging other people. I yes. really feel like this is the biggest block to to loving each other is all the judgment that we have. We all have our own path that God yes. takes us down or yes. on or lets, tells us we need to go this way or that way. And you have to be accepting of everyone. Yes, exactly. So um, I wonder if there is something... Um, yeah, I had I wrote one question. If your childhood would have been different, if you would have like a safe and loving childhood, do you think you would have ended up uh, trying to take your life at thirty-six? If I had, if you had a loving, safe childhood, I don't you- think it would have changed my mind. I think if I would have had more of a support system when that was happening with to me I maybe wouldn't have tried to take my life but my support system had really dwindled down to about two or three people and it was not Mm. healthy Mm. so and they weren't paying attention to me or listening to me or reading into how I was feeling Mm. and I was crying out for help saying I need help and I was denied that help this so. is this is interesting in a way because I I always think that if my childhood would have been different I wouldn't have been depressed the way I was and I wouldn't have been you know I would I, say it's it's a 50/50 chance I can't say No we don't know and and it's also it doesn't really matter we are what we are mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter we are here now and what matters is that we share, we share our story. We're not afraid to talk about suicide. No. And we really want to, to be here and support other people and really prevent this from happening to others. To really, you know, uh, notice the signs also. Be much, much better to notice the signs of depression. That's what I feel. Yeah, you have to know the symptoms, and we know the symptoms because we have been through it ourselves. And so people Mm -hmm. I see who are in my realm that are depressed or not feeling good, I try not to leave them alone. I ask them questions and make sure they're okay. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get back with me right away, I may ask them another question. But if they don't respond, I know they're in a low place. Hmm. And I think it's also very, very important to understand that life, we are not, it's not normal to feel low. 
It's not normal to not sleep at night. It's not normal to have negative thoughts all the time. Correct. It's like, it's not normal. So it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us, but it means that we have something going on and it may be a disease called depression. And it can happen to anyone. You have to reach into that bucket of your tools and get something out of there. Yeah. And I think also to understand that life is meant to be worth living. We're meant Mm -hmm. to have life joy. That really is the normal. So I think... What do you find... What is the most joyous thing you do? You mean besides seeing besides seeing Leia Luna? What is something? No, but I love my dogs. I love my dogs. You know, they bring me so much joy. Today they were playing. They've been playing today, and I can look at them, and I just feel like my heart is exploding. Really, Mm. Uh, something that brings me a lot of joy also is actually doing my podcast. Uh, I don't really know why that is, but I think that is something to do with God and service. And I feel like, I really feel like this podcast is some kind of channeling in a way. Um, Because as I say, I don't have a plan. I just kind of, that brings me a lot of joy also. And uh, what else brings me joy? To hang out with my kids brings me a lot of joy. Also, mm-hmm. but I know I need to learn, as you said, I don't have any hobbies, real hobbies. I don't really understand why people enjoy things, really. I have this kind of, you know, strange reading is your hobby. You do have a hobby. I write a lot. That is also a hobby, I think. Okay, well, there you go. You have two yeah. already. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think that there is a lot, but I need to find more things that brings me joy. I need to learn this because I've been so focused around, you know, raising kids and running companies. Mm -hmm. So I have a learning phase now because now they're moving out. So I need to, to really get into what do I enjoy doing? You have your plants. I love my plants. (laughs) <laughs> I okay. have so many plants. We're up this to three like, things on You your know list. what? They are kind of eating up my apartment. <laughs> big, honestly, it's, it's almost a jungle here. Uh, I love plants. So you're right. It, everything like nature and animals is really birds. I love birds. I love yes. every bird. We have even, a huge garden. We have <laughs> a huge garden. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that is also something, you know, to to just cultivate the life joy mm-hmm. and to read it. But in depression, I forget. It doesn't, you know, I don't remember. So right. th- that is also so important to write down, you know, what brings me happiness. And so right, and then you can reflect back on it when mm. you're feeling low. You need to put it exact. in a book, not just a piece exact. of paper. Yeah. You have to have a book that's just for your joy, mm. you know, and then you can, you go to that book and then it'll snap you out of it, mm. I feel. Yeah. I have a friend on Instagram that I love so much. Her name is Renee. And mm-hmm. she said at one point, she said, Shama, I just decided no one is ever going to steal my joy. No one right. is going to steal my joy. One of my best friends said that to me, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Never let anyone steal your joy. No, I know, and I never thought of it. I never thought of it. I gave it away so, so, you know, easily. I have too. So that's something. But I think it's like a learning phase that is happening now. I think Corona, the whole Corona is like a learning (laughs) experience for us. Oh, my God. Okay, Khadija. So we need to wrap this up now uh it's about an hour and i want to thank you for taking you know for the courage to share your story for the willingness you know for the willingness to help other people uh you know that they can reach out to you contact you and to really help you know removing stigma and judgment and really making this in a strange way more normal like cancer or diabetes you know we have to treat it as something that we can cure that we can do something about there is there is nothing that really says anywhere that i've seen that there is a cure for suicide but i think us talking like this is 
a way to cure it. It is, because if you see 90, 90% of all suicides come from depression and alcohol or drug use, abuse, mm -hmm. 90%. So if we can address depression, which we are in a way doing, we mm -hmm. can do a lot, you know. So yes. I think we can, and I'm sure we're going we're gonna to make a change for sure. Okay. Uh, for all of you who want to uh, contact me, it's shamaperson at gmail.com. Uh, I love to receive your emails. Send them with the subject podcast. And you can also send me a DM. And in the post that is like uh, announcing this week's podcast, I'm also going to write your Instagram contact so they can reach you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Is there anything else you want to say before we end? I'm just happy to be here sharing with you. And um, I hope that this helps somebody. And um, somebody will reach out to us, either you or I, if they're in need. Hmm. And we will help get them out of the struggles they're dealing with. Yes, because they are in good company. With right. Us. <laughs> That's how it is. That's how it is. Okay, thank you for being my friend and thank you for sharing. Same to you. Yes. Thank you. And for all of you listening, I wish you a beautiful, beautiful day. Okay. Peace.